Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, March 14th, 2019, broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, I will react to all of the craziness that is the NFL offseason, from free agent signings to crazy trades and even big-name free agents who are still available I will react to it all. I also have some strong thoughts on what Stephen A. Smith had to say this week about Boston sports fans and how we are all racist. And this is one of the laziest narratives that's out there. And he uses Gordon Haywood as his example. It's just one of the dumbest things that I've heard in a long time. But uh, being from Boston... Being a Boston sports fan, being a Celtics fan, uh, and not being a fan, really, of Gordon Haywood, I kind of have a a strong response to this. I will react to what Stephen A. Smith had to say. And also, it looks like Major League Baseball listens to this show. That's right. Major League Baseball listens to the Danny Picard show. I will explain to close it all out. All of it today presented by betonline.ag. And it is the greatest time of year in basketball, March Madness, or as some would call it, March Money. Well, here at Podcast One Sportsnet, we're competing against each other again, this time in the Sportsnet brackets, presented by our exclusive partners at betonline.ag. Sign up today at betonline.ag and use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus. And once you're all signed up, You can fill out your bracket online. Just make sure you get it done by Wednesday night of next week. Selection Sunday is this Sunday at 6 o'clock. So uh, if you're you're a college basketball fan, but even if you're not a college basketball fan, everybody I know fills out a bracket, even people who don't watch sports. And sometimes those people who don't watch sports, those are the people that have success in in the March Madness NCAA tournament bracket. So you don't need to really be a sports fan to participate in this. So get to betonline.ag right now and fill out your bracket by Wednesday night. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts and also the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet, betonline.ag. We did the Sportsnet Challenge during the NFL season at Podcast One, Sportsnet. And, you know, the one, I guess the one regret that I have, well, I have a couple of regrets. I had a, when it, when it came to the Podcast One Sportsnet Challenge, I was not at the top of the standings. So I obviously regret that. I mean, I still had a good year with picks, but there were some people who really nailed their picks all season long and I just couldn't keep up with those people at the top of the standing so I obviously regret that but the other thing I regret is you know we're part of this whole podcast one sports net and I just want to get Shaq Shaquille O'Neal on this show I want to get him in studio and we could have an opportunity to do that maybe around the NBA playoffs you know maybe TNT Shaq obviously does the TNT pregame and postgame show and I think during the playoffs, they go on scene, right? Don't they go on scene? Now, whether they do Eastern Conference games or Western Conference games, I haven't looked at the NBA playoff schedule just yet. 
uh, we're trying to figure out this Celtics team in the regular season before we start looking ahead to the to the postseason schedule. But Shaquille O'Neal, I just want Shaq on this show in studio. Can we make that happen? We're going to be part of the Sportsnet brackets now for March Madness. Can we get Shaq in studio? Can we get somebody from Podcast One, who I know they listen to this, I, right? I mean, I... I'm obviously part of the same network as Shaq. We're basically colleagues. And you know what? We were close to getting Shaq on this show one time. We were close. We were talking to his people. You know, we had the, obviously the common ground was that we were both part of Podcast One. Like I said, essentially colleagues. Me and Shaq are basically best friends, kind of, right? (laughs) So you would think the two best friends would be able to do a podcast together. Shaq, let's go. Get on the show. Okay? I know you're going to be in Boston soon. You're opening restaurants up now. He has a new restaurant, I think, in L.A., doesn't he? You want to bring one to the East Coast? Let's let's do it. Let me help out with that if I can. I think I could probably connect you to a couple people in the restaurant biz in Boston that I know that could help you out with some space, with some restaurant space. Let's get it, ha- let's get it done. Let's make it happen. Shaq, let's go. Get in studio. Uh, I'm sure I'll be talking trash to Shaq in the Sportsnet Brackets again presented by betonline.ag. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. Play for free at draftkings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PIC P I C. That's promo code PIC P I C at draftkings.com. And today's show also presented by IV League Hydration. Look better, feel better, and perform better by jumping on the IV. And it is St. Patrick's Day weekend, which means You're going to need to find a way to recover as quickly as possible so that you can keep the party going all weekend long. And IV League Hydration is the perfect remedy. They have a store in Southie, which is, you know, the heart of St. Patrick's Day weekend in Boston, right? This weekend, people are coming to Southie all weekend long, especially for Parade Day on Sunday. Well, I mean, if you're hungover and you want a, a quick fix to that, a quick remedy, the best possible remedy would be for you to jump into the to the shop in Southie, the Ivy League hydration shop. And but, but even if you don't want to go all the way down there, the best part about Ivy League hydration is that they can come to you. Just go to their website, ivleaguehydrate.com. That's ivleaguehydrate.com to see all of their different IV hydration packages. Look better, feel better, and of course, perform better this St. Patrick's Day weekend with Ivy League Hydration. Speaking of St. Patrick's Day weekend, welcome to the show on this Thursday, March 14th. Um, Sunday is parade day in Southie, and as you know, I am from Southie. I've been living there my whole life, born and raised there, still there, probably not leaving, you know, probably not leaving, but I guess never say never, right? Never say never. But um, Parade Day, you know, I, I guess what that day has become to me is the how can I get out of town day, <laughs> Sunday on Parade Day, uh, for me at least. And I do know a lot of people who uh, OFS, originally from Southie, that's what we say, OFS, or born and raised in Southie, however you want to say it. I know a lot of people who just would like to not have the parade anymore because this has become so much more than just a St. Patrick's Day parade. It's it's become a circus. 
And, you know, I don't know where they're finding these animals that come into town for the day now. I mean, it's just uh, these animals are coming in from all over now. And it's just they they just trash the place and then they take off for all of us to to pick up the pieces on Sunday night, Monday morning. And it's just it's it's just getting old. Right. And I'm not saying St. Patrick's Day is getting old like. This is a nice weekend in Boston. This is a fun weekend in Boston. But Sunday now, parade day is just such a circus, and it gets worse and worse every year. It really does. It has become the how can I get out of town day for me. And I, it's not just me. I, I say I say that because I'm trying to protect the opinions of others. And I know I don't necessarily speak for the masses, but I feel like I do have a finger on the pulse of the neighborhood with regards to at least the people who are born and raised like myself, and, you know, the common feeling that I get when we talk about St. Patrick's Day and Parade Day, you know, as it approaches, the common feeling I get is sort of an eye-rolling feeling where it's like, oh, we got Parade Day again? Here we go. Um, You do have a lot of people who who try to escape town that weekend who just don't even want to deal with the madness and the circus and the animals that come in from all over now. Just jump on a, a, a bus. They, they file them in on Greyhound buses and let them off on First Street with their backpacks and their solo cups, and it's just a disaster scene. It is. But um, I guess I'm over it. I'm over St. Patrick's Day weekend. But yeah, that's enough. That's, uh, you don't need me to get on this rant because we need to get to the important stuff. And the important stuff is the NFL offseason which is just absolutely crazy. Free agency began yesterday on Wednesday at 4 o'clock Eastern time, though you wouldn't know it. You would have thought it began on Monday. You would have thought it began last week, right? Uh, Because you hear rumors and there's reports, and basically players are ready to sign or ready to be traded. They're just waiting for the new league year to begin so that they can make it official, sign on the dotted line, or make a trade official. And the biggest move so far has to be well, we thought the biggest move was Antonio Brown and getting traded to the Oakland Raiders. But the biggest move really since then, and I think even bigger than that, is that Odell Beckham Jr. has been traded to the Cleveland Browns for a first-round pick and a third-round pick and also 23-year-old safety Jabril Peppers, who, by the way, was a 2017 first-round pick out of Michigan. It was only... 23 years old. Uh, so, here's the trade. The Browns get Odell Beckham Jr. The Giants get a first-round pick, 17 overall, in this year's draft. They also get Cleveland's second, third-round pick. Cleveland, I guess, is two third-rounders, but the Giants will get the second of those two third-rounders. 95 overall. And again, the Giants get um, 23-year-old safety Jabril Peppers. So, Beckham Jr. for two picks and Jabril Peppers. I'd say that. The, you know, you could try to crush the Giants. I've heard some people try to crush the Giants for not getting that first third-round pick from Cleveland and settling for the second third-round pick of their two third-round picks. But, I mean, the Giants, just the fact that they got a first-rounder is like, you know, it makes the Pittsburgh Steelers look even worse, for only getting a third and a fifth for Antonio Brown. So who's the real winner of the Odell Beckham Jr. trade? Well, what if the Giants won with Odell Beckham Jr.? 
I don't know that you could call Cleveland the winner because I'm not going to lie to you. But look, before the Odell Beckham Jr. trade, when I looked at the Browns last year, I told you, like, they're going to be a special team. Baker Mayfield is a special quarterback. Um, you know, I, I like Chubb in the backfield. I think that they're building a special group. If you watch them on hard knocks, I, I, I thought it was one of the best hard knock seasons that they've had since they started hard knocks. And you watch this Browns team, you watch some of the success they had last year when they went to Baker Mayfield. You know, the kid's got balls. He can make the big throws. And, you know, I, I think that players on that team will follow suit with his leadership. They they got a new coach. I, I like what Cleveland's done. If you told me they were not going to trade for Odell Beckham Jr., I would tell you that Cleveland next year has a chance to win that AFC North and even maybe make some noise in the playoffs without Odell Beckham Jr., you know, in in if I'm if I'm turning on Madden 19, the video game, and I sent Odell Beckham Jr. to the Browns, that makes the Browns better. In real life, did the Browns get better to the point where I have to seriously look at them and now say they're Super Bowl contenders because they got Beckham? I mean, in a video game, you would. In real life. Do I make that jump from a team that could win their division to a team that could win a Super Bowl? I'm not going to make that jump only because of what I saw from Odell Beckham Jr. with with the Giants. Like he Odell Beckham Jr. didn't you know, what what did the Giants win with him? And there is something that comes along with Odell Beckham Jr. that seems to be some baggage. You know, Odell Beckham Jr. has has this circus atmosphere that does follow him. Right, this and, and and he's not the only diva wide receiver that has this. Follow him. You could say the same about Antonio Brown. Um, who would I? Who would you rather have, Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham Jr.? I think I'd rather have Antonio Brown. I do. I think I'd rather have Antonio Brown than Odell Beckham. Uh, you know, Odell Beck Odell Beckham to me, when it comes to like when the cameras are on him. When the cameras are on him, Odell Beckham Jr., it seems like the type of guy that just, you know, he wants the spotlight on him. He wants the attention. I don't know that I get that from Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown did not handle things the right way leaving Pittsburgh, and I think that affected the return that the Steelers ended up getting, which was a third and a fifth. And again, the Steelers look bad now because of what the Giants ended up getting from Cleveland, a first, a third, and a 23-year-old Safety, who was a first-round pick two years ago, and Jabril Peppers. I, I mean, you know, Steelers look bad because of that, but make no mistake, the Steelers' return was affected because of the way Antonio Brown handled the whole thing, where the Steelers lose leverage in that situation. On the, you know, from the Giants' perspective, they handled things the right way by saying, we didn't sign Odell Beckham Jr. to this huge extension so that we would trade him. We're not trading Odell Beckham Jr. And when they say that, if they are deep down inside, if they are going to trade him, the Giants have le- all of a sudden they don't lose leverage. I shouldn't say they gain leverage. I'll just say they don't lose leverage there because teams called. Obviously, Cleveland called and said, "What's the availability of Odell Beckham?" And I don't know, maybe at first the Giants said, well, we're not trading Odell Beckham. But my, my point is, 
Antonio Brown put the Steelers in a very tough spot, which is why the Steelers couldn't get the return that the Giants got for Odell Beckham Jr. Because the Giants played it differently. They said, we're not trading Odell Beckham Jr. And and you don't lose leverage when you say that. It's funny, too. I see some big-name media members out there crushing the Giants for not not being completely truthful with the media when they said, we're not trading Odell Beckham Jr. They lied to us. Oh, come on. Like, the Giants don't owe the media anything. I don't like when the media thinks that teams and players need to be truthful all the time to them. They don't. If you're running a professional sports organization, you use the media. I just say, like, that's what you should be doing. If you're not using the media at any point, and I know the media doesn't want to hear this, but the truth is, If you're not using the media at any point, you're not doing your job. I I thought the Giants actually handled the whole thing well. They got a first and a third, a 23-year-old safety. And this is because, this is really because, they told us they weren't trading them. On the other hand, the Steelers, they're like, oh, we got no choice. We got to trade them. You know, because Antonio Brown's coming out saying he's not coming back. Right? And, And immediately the Steelers lose all their leverage. But... Antonio Brown did not handle it the right way, but still, I would take him over Odell Beckham Jr. only because when it comes to the on-field stuff, I don't get a sense that, yeah, Antonio Brown likes to dance after touchdowns and all that, but that's fine, but there's just something extra with Odell Beckham Jr. that, that, and I don't even know if I can explain it, I think you just have to watch and see it, where it's like, Odell Beckham seems to be... I don't know, less about winning than maybe Antonio Brown does? If, if that makes sense, I would take Antonio Brown over Odell Beckham Jr. That's just my two cents. But if you're breaking down the real winners and losers of this Cleveland Giants trade, I would tell you that I think the, I think the Giants did a nice job here. I do. I think they did a nice job. I, I really think that they did a nice job. Now, the Giants will have the number six pick which is their own pick, and now they'll have number 17. And the question becomes, will the Giants be able to move up? Maybe. I mean, maybe. Look, you have to keep keep in mind, the, the Raiders now have 4 and 24. Arizona's in prime position at number one. They keep telling us they're going to take Kyla Murray. Are, are they just maybe trying to trade out? Right? And, and, and maybe, you know, gain some leverage there by saying, oh, we're taking Murray. We're trading Rosen. Teams who want Murray are saying, oh, man, how can we get that pick from you? Maybe the Giants are saying, how can we get that pick? Is 6-17 and 17 going to do it? Maybe 6-17 and a player to move up to number one overall? I Would you take 6-17 and 17 from the Giants? If you're Arizona, would you take 6-17 and 17 from the Giants? Or would you take 4-24 and 24 from the Raiders? I'd take 6-17 and 17 from the Giants. Really, because 17, that's the more important pick. I mean... The difference between four and six, once you get, I think, past the top three picks, you know, I think you could probably get, at six, you can get at what you were going to get at number four overall. It's really 17. You know, you'll take, I would take six and 17 over four and 24. I would take what the Giants have to offer. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe Arizona's telling the truth. Maybe they do want to draft Kyler Murray, number one overall. But there's just a lot going on. The Odell Beckham Jr. trade was a blockbuster move. You can't say Cleveland 
didn't get better. They did get better. I just don't know what the Odell Beckham Jr. circus is going to bring to that team. Uh, I, I just don't know. You know, I, I liked where Baker Mayfield was. Did you need to give him Odell Beckham Jr.? We'll see. We'll see. In a video game, it's a perfect trade. I bet you if you fire up Madden 19 right now, the Cleveland Browns might be one of the better teams in the game because of this Odell Beckham Jr. trade. But in real life, you know, I'll still say the Browns have a chance to win that division. I'm just not going to put them in the conversation of Super Bowl contender because I I have not seen Odell Beckham Jr. put his previous team in the conversation of Super Bowl contender. So why should I do it when he goes to Cleveland? Look, the Browns, you got to give them credit because usually we're sitting here crushing them, right? Or we're not even paying attention to them because they're the Browns. Now we got our eye on the Browns. And not just because of Baker Mayfield, also because of Odell Beckham Jr. But all of that said, I know it's the sexy discussion to talk about how good the Browns have become, but I actually think the Giants did a really nice job with this. You have to go back to when they told everybody they weren't trading Beckham. If they had come out and said, yeah, we are going to trade Odell Beckham Jr., you know what would have happened? They would have never got a first-round pick. They would have never got a first-round pick. But they played it the right way. And any media member that's calling out the Giants for for not being truthful or being liars and 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 knocking their credibility now when they talk to the media. Well, f- you know, find something else to write about. Be, f- find something else to talk about because fact of the matter is the Giants used you in order to get that first round pick in a package uh, for a for a diva wide receiver, something that the Pittsburgh Steelers couldn't get. So I think the Giants did a nice job, but that's the biggest move so far. Uh, we'll keep an eye on maybe some of these teams when it comes to the draft in late April. But now you get to free agency outside of the trade. I mean, free agency's crazy. Mark Ingram and Earl Thomas go to Baltimore. Um, you got guys being released, Blake Bortles released, but we knew Blake Bortles was going to be released by the Jaguars when they signed Nick Foles. We already heard about that. But uh, those are two big moves for Baltimore, Ingram and Earl Thomas, right? I think names you need to keep an eye out for, Golden Tate. These are guys who are still free agents. Golden Tate, Eric Berry, who was just released by the Chiefs. The Chiefs just releasing everybody on that defensive side. Golden Tate, Eric Berry, Justin Houston. It should be noted that the Chiefs added the Honey Badger. And, um, you know, that's something that can- that's a move that Kansas City made. But the fact that they released Eric Berry... Now, Berry's been banged up. He has not played a lot, if at all, the last two seasons with injuries. But Justin Houston has. But they're both 30 years old. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots were linked to to maybe both of these guys. Uh, maybe just Justin Houston. I, I'd say more so Justin Houston than anyone. But those are plays to keep an eye out for. Now, with regards to the Patriots, okay? <laughs> it is... You know, it's it is funny. Like it, it. Sometimes you see the Patriots, and you 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 look around the rest of the league, and you see pictures of Belichick like diving off his boat while <laughs> while other teams are making big signings or big trades. Belichick's rubbing sunscreen on his wife's back. I mean, the the guy knows what he's doing first and foremost. I. For anybody to look at those pictures and say he doesn't care is just ridiculous. 
here's where I stand with, with Bill Belichick. As of 2019, and this take that I'm going to give you is like a, you know, this Kool-Aid that we talk about that I drink, that a lot of us drink here in New England. As I wrote in my column this week for the Boston Metro, this Kool-Aid that we drink is becoming like a fine wine, right? It gets, it gets better and gets stronger with age, this take that I'm about to give you. In Bill Belichick, we trust. That's just the way it is. For me to not trust what Belichick's doing right now, which is not a lot, for me to not trust what Belichick's strategy is, I think would be blasphemous for me to not trust it. I trust it. I trust what Belichick's doing or not doing. First off, let's talk about what he's not doing. They lose Trey Flowers to the Detroit Lions. They lose Trent Brown to the Oakland Raiders. But if you're looking at the contracts that these guys got, you knew the Patriots were not giving... You knew the Patriots were not going to give Trey Flowers a $90 million deal. You knew the Patriots certainly weren't going to give Trent Brown a $66 million deal. The Patriots were not going to make Trent Brown the highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. You knew that. I knew that. The league knew it. I don't know if the Raiders knew it because they did it. They made Trent Brown the highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. Patriots weren't going to do that. So the Patriots lose Trey Flowers. They lose Trent Brown. These are two kids who are 25 years old. Again, let's go over the contracts. Trey Flowers, his deal with the Lions, reuniting him with Matt Patricia, former Patriots defensive coordinator. Patricia, now the head coach of the Lions. Trey Flowers signs a five-year, $90 million deal, which includes $56 million guaranteed, $40 million fully guaranteed at signing. Trent Brown goes to the Raiders, a four-year, $66 million deal, with $36.75 million guaranteed, again, making him the highest-paid offensive lineman in NFL history. I think if one of these, if you can criticize, from a Patriots perspective, if you can criticize the Patriots for one of these two losses more than the other, I'd say you could criticize them more for losing Trey Flowers. 25 years old, what do you have, 21, had 21 sacks in 45 regular season games as an integral part of the Patriots' defense the last three seasons, okay? I love Trey Trey Flowers. I I would have loved to have seen the Patriots sign him, but there's a difference between loving to see the Patriots, I would have loved to see the Patriots sign him and what would have been realistic for the Patriots to give him. Patriots were not giving him $90 million. It just wasn't happening. But 25 years old, a huge piece to your defense the last three seasons, I think you can make an argument as to whether or not the Patriots should have been a little more aggressive in trying to keep Flowers, a guy who I told you last week was at an event in Springfield holding the Lombardi Trophy up, and his quote, Trey Flowers' quote at this event, I think it was an AHL hockey game, his quote was, this is six, we want seven. <laughs> like, Trey Flowers isn't saying that if he doesn't want to come back. So, I guess the argument could be made, should the Patriots have been a little bit more aggressive trying to keep Trey Flowers, a guy who seemingly, at least based on what he said last week, wanted to stay with the Patriots? 
You could criticize that one more than than losing Trent Brown. I mean, yeah, you know, and I want to be fair to Trent Brown. He did a nice job. He was not an offensive. He was not a left tackle. He was not a left tackle before he came to the Patriots. Patriots traded for him last offseason because Nate Solder signed a huge deal. What did Nate Solder sign? What did he sign? A $62 million deal with the Giants? But the Patriots lose Nate Solder, and everyone's going, oh, how are they going to replace Nate Solder? They trade for Trent Brown. With, they trade with San Francisco for Trent Brown. They move him to the other side of the line to left tackle to protect Tom Brady's backside. And I told you last year that going into the season, Trent Brown would be the most important next man up. And guess what? Trent Brown did his job. And then some. Okay? he So, good for Trent Brown going to get the money. But the Patriots are not going to make a guy that they put in that spot for one year the highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. That would be insane to do based on what the Patriots' strategy usually is this time of year, which is there's, there's a value they place on every single player. Belichick puts emotions aside, right? He does not get sentimental about guys. You can't. It's a business. He puts a value on a guy, and if another team places a higher value on that guy, then Belichick basically says to the player, you got a decision to make. Do you want to go get the money? Or do you want a chance to win another championship? And in Trey Flowers and Trent Brown's case, they both took the money. Yeah, I do need to clarify, good for them. I'm not knocking them for getting the money. I say this all the time. Pro athletes, go get the money. You know, I am pro player when it comes to contracts, when it comes to money, and especially in the NFL, when it comes to guaranteed money. Go get the money, especially in the NFL. Right? Go get it. Good for Trent Brown. Good for Trey Flowers. But Belichick puts that on the player. He says, this is the value we're putting on you. If another team's going to give you more than that, the Lions valued Trey Flowers, you know, putting a number down on a piece of paper, it's a higher number than the Patriots had. Patriots aren't going to get in a bidding war. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to do that. Emotions are put aside. This is the business model. This is a value play. It's all about value. The player's got a decision to make once another team wants to pay that player higher than what the Patriots deem their value is. And if the player wants the money, hey, good for the player for taking the money. But if you're the Patriots, when it comes to Trent Brown, maybe more than Trey Flowers, the Trent Brown situation is the Patriots, I think, would have been out of their minds to give Trent Brown that type of money. Right? And I don't mean to knock Trent Brown. Again, I want to be fair. He did a nice job in the position he was put into, which is not an easy position, right? It's not. Protecting Tom Brady's backside might be the most important position at this stage of Brady's career. That might be the most important position on the field. And whoever steps into that role this year will be the most important next man up. Not any wide receiver that comes into town. Not any uh, defensive end that's going to come in and try to get to the quarterback. No, it, it's the left tackle. That's what it is. So, I want to be fair to to Trent Brown, but I also want to be fair to what the Patriots are. I want to be honest to what the Patriots are. And that's, it's the next man up. It is the system. And it is Dante Skarnakia being a wizard as an offensive line coach. And I, at this stage, again, like a fine wine, gets this, this take gets better with age. 
in Belichick we trust, and even to an extent in Dante Skarnacchio we trust. Like, they're going to plug someone in at left tackle, folks, at, at their value that's going to be just as good, if not better, than Trent Brown. So, I'm not really up in arms about the Brown stuff. I think you can criticize the Flowers thing a little bit more because um, Patriots drafted him. He seemed like their guy. But again, that's speaking in a vacuum. Like, when you do break down the details of what Flowers got from Detroit, and Patriots are not going to pay that money, right? Patriots are not going to pay that money. Some people will say, oh, why can't they pay the money just once? And I'm going to come to you and say, because that's not what they do. That's not how they function. And some people call this the straw man argument. Like I'm yelling at a straw man right now. Nobody's at, they're saying nobody's actually knocking the Patriots for not spending money. Well, I don't know. Tweets that come into me every off season, when I sit here every single year and I call players that the Patriots lose, when I call those players replaceable, every single year I get tweets which people knock me. They say, oh, Picard, you know, he's he's once again calling this player replaceable, you know, a player that they fell in love with for one or two years because he had success with the Patriots organization. Danny Amendola was one of them. Danny Amendola was one of them. And I told you not too long ago that Amendola when he decided to go to Miami, and now Amendola is actually with Detroit. Miami released Amendola. Amendola's with Detroit. When Amendola left the Patriots, you know, he can try to say all he wants. He left because it was his choice, this, that, the other thing. Amendola left because the Patriots were not going to give him the money he wanted. Because they essentially, without maybe saying these words to him, they thought to themselves, Amendola's replaceable replaceable. And I told you when Amendola left the same exact thing. I said, Danny Amendola is replaceable. I even told you that about Malcolm Butler. I told you that about Deion Lewis. The list goes on and on. How far back do you want to go? But these guys are replaceable. Replaceable. And every year that I say that, I get tweets coming in going, ah, Picard, you're nuts. Like, at some point, this is going to hurt the Patriots. At some point, losing this play is going to hurt the Patriots. It's it's too, now it's too much. You know, it's one thing to lose this guy, that guy, the other guy, but now you lose this guy. Oh, it's over. They keep telling me it's over. They keep telling me it's done. They're telling me now that all these coaches that are gone and even going to Miami, that the, the dynasty's dead. And I come back to you and I say, well, when are you going to learn? When is everybody going to learn that right now, as the Patriots sit there, as I record this show on Thursday, March 14th, ready to head into St. Patrick's Day weekend, I, as I sit here and I look at the rest of the league getting nuts, getting nuts, trading for big-name wide receivers, um, you know, spending money on, on big-name players, I look at all that, and I see the Patriots, and what have they done? They've lost two key pieces to a championship team. They re-signed Jason McCourty. They re-signed Brandon Bolden, if you even knew he was still on the team. They re-signed John Simon, the linebacker, if you even know who the fuck he is. They re-signed Philip Dorsett. Nice move. 
They picked up Matthew Slater's option for 2019. Okay. They traded for Michael Bennett, which I talked about on Monday's podcast. Fine. They might still have a couple signings up their sleeve, but they're not going to rush into anything. They're going to play it the way they usually play it, which is, again, a value play. Emotions aside, players are replaceable. In Bill Belichick, we trust. So, you can look at what the Patriots have done, and you can see it really hasn't been anything crazy while the rest of the league seemingly gets nuts. And you call it a straw man argument all you want, but as I sit here today and tell you that Trey Flowers and Trent Brown are replaceable, I will get tweets that argue and say, not this time, not this is the one. Flowers, Trey Flowers is the one that's going to sink the ship. Belichick, Kraft, they got cheap one too many times. Belichick's rubbing sunscreen all over his wife's legs on Instagram. And, you know, the Ravens add an Earl Thomas and Mark Ingram. The Browns are traded for Odell Beckham. The Raiders are traded for Antonio Brown. The Patriots dynasty's dead. Oh, shut the fuck up. No, it's not. When are you going to learn? When are we going to learn? When are we going to learn? Belichick knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. If you if you haven't learned that by now, then, then you're praying that at some point he doesn't know what he's doing. Now, Belichick hasn't been perfect. He makes mistakes. There's no question. But he gets it right much more often than he gets it wrong. And for everybody that's like, well, Belichick's not doing anything right now. Once again, the Patriots don't do anything at the beginning of free agency. These are the same people that two years ago were scratching their heads and complaining that the Patriots gave a monster contract to cornerback Stephon Gilmore on the first day of free agency. Didn't they sign Duran Harmon to a deal as well? Like, Patriots two years ago got after it on the first day of free agency. They were like the first team that got after it. And I think we were kind of, you know, I was kind of in shock by that as well because I don't. it's not something we were really used to, especially not with somebody that, a cornerback from the Buffalo Bills that, you know, we thought he was basically a good cornerback, but did we think he was, um, did we think he should be paid the way the Patriots paid him, especially the way the Patriots jumped all over him right away with that type of contract? A team that usually plays it the opposite? Like, I, I think some of us were confused. I'm not going to lie. I was a little confused by that. I, I, didn't, I didn't question it, though. I didn't, I didn't knock them for it. Because, again, in Bill, we trust. But I'm just using Gilmore as an example that the same people today who might be complaining about the Patriots not doing anything early on, not getting nuts like the rest of the teams early on in free agency, are the same people who were criticizing Belichick for giving all that money to Stephon Gilmore the first day of free agency two years ago. And, oh, by the way, it looks like Belichick got that one right. Did he not? Stephon Gilmore is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, if not the best cornerback in all of the NFL. So it looks like Belichick got that one right. So Belichick's got it right far more often than he's got it wrong. And because of that, I'm sitting back, and I wish I had some sunscreen to put on myself 
because I wish I was in warmer temperatures right now. But I'm sitting back without the sunscreen, with an iced coffee, watching all these crazy moves being made in the National Football League, and I'm saying, I trust Belichick. I trust that the Patriots are going to have a team that's going to compete for the division, for a top two seed in the AFC, and for a chance to go back to the Super Bowl next year with or without Trey Flowers and Trent Brown. Okay? And maybe there's another guy they get. I mean, I I mentioned Justin Houston. I think, and and if he's not already signed by the time you listen to the show, because it is a fluid situation and some moves, perhaps the Patriots even make a move by the time you listen to this. As I'm recording on Monday morning, excuse me, Monday morning, Thursday morning, March 14th, um, you know, they might even make a move by then. But if Justin Houston is still a free agent by the time you listen to this and the Patriots still have other moves to make, I, just because they traded for Michael Bennett, I don't think that means they can't sign Justin Houston. 30 years old, Kansas City gave up on him. You got a 30-year-old player who might say, let's do a one-year deal. Screw Kansas City. They thought I'm, They think I'm done at 30. To me, it's a perfect Belichick signing. Like a one-year, Justin Houston, one-year deal. Right? Are you going to give $6 million to someone? Who are you going to give it to? Amendola or Justin Houston? Justin Houston, hungry for a championship. Hungry to make the team that just cut him in the same conference, who is a Super Bowl contender in Kansas City, to make them Andy Reid look foolish. It just seems like a perfect move, doesn't it? Justin Houston? So, who knows what the Patriots could do? You know, just because they got Bennett doesn't mean they can't make that move. I mean, they could cut Bennett in training camp, for all for all I know. And they could just be using Bennett as maybe a, a backup plan in case they don't sign Justin Houston. I don't know. You know, in case they don't get maybe someone else that's on their radar. I don't know. But I'm just trying to think of what the Patriots could do here moving forward. But look, if they don't do anything, I'm going to tell you I trust the job Belichick's done. Because it is, it's a theme, you know, to 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 place a value on a guy. It, it's just what Belichick and the Patriots organization is what they do, and and I trust that it works. Because you know why I trust that it works? Because it works. Because it works. And if you haven't figured that out by now, then you're someone who prays that at some point soon it stops working because you don't like the Patriots' success. And that's clouding your judgment, basically. But that's what we got with the NFL offseason so far. It's only going to get crazier, I think. And so whatever does happen over the weekend, I'll react on Monday. Um, I'm going to get to the NBA right now. Because something... Look, this is such a lazy, dumb narrative. And this is not the first time this has been said. It's not the second time this has been said. This has been done over and over and over again. But this one specifically is one of the laziest, dumber ones. And that is coming from Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith. You know what? I kind of criticize. I criticize more than just Stephen A. Smith here. Like, I criticize the people who picked up on this and wanted to make this big story out of it because they wanted the clicks. They wanted um, to be seen. They wanted the retweets. And I don't know who else maybe... Like, who was the first person to see that Stephen A. Smith said this 
and run a story on it. It wasn't ESPN. Stephen A. Smith, let, let me let me just tell you what Stephen A. Smith said. So Stephen A. Smith, what is he, he has his own radio show on ESPN Radio? Because he didn't tweet this. He didn't say it. I don't think he said it on TV. He didn't write it on the website. But he said this on his radio show or his podcast or something. And he's talking about the Celtics. And he's talking about, you know, what this season is and has been this year, which, you know, has been a very, very frustrating year for the Celtics. For Celtics team, there's so much talent that it's so many expectations, you know, with Gordon Haywood back in the mix, with Kyrie Irving back in the mix, with all the young talent that they have. Um, Brad Stevens as, you know, one of the NBA's top co- top young coaches, you know, so many expectations for the Celtics team that went to Game 7 of the East Finals last year. They've had a frustrating season, right? They've had a frustrating season. Not to say they're not getting the playoffs, not to say they can't make a championship run. Because on this West Coast trip recently, it looks like they've turned some things around, even though they got whooped in the final game of that West Coast trip by the Clippers. But um, I think we'll find out a lot more about the Celtics, how they respond to that when they come home tonight on this Thursday night to take on the Sacramento Kings at the TD Garden. But anyways, Stephen A. Smith talking about this season, talking about the Celtics season, and he he basically accuses Boston sports fans of being racist. And the example that he uses is just so absurd. Here's what he says. I'll read you the quote. Stephen A. Smith said, quote, And then there's the element of Boston, Massachusetts. They don't just want a star. Of course, they'll take any star that they can get because their priority is winning. But everybody and their mother knows that particularly when it comes to Boston, if we can have a white superstar, that would be even better. And they view Gordon Hayward as having that kind of potential. So, all of those things considered, the players recognize this, were aware of this, and ultimately, those who were compromised by having to be on a court with Gordon Hayward was sensitive to it. End quote. End quote. Stephen A. Smith coming, coming out strong on <laughs> the Celtics fan base in Boston, Massachusetts, that, yeah, we... Yeah, you're right, Stephen A. Yeah, you're right. We want any star we can, you know, we'll take any star we can get, but we prefer him to be white. Would you shut up with that? It's such a nonsensical, stupid, absurd thing to say. It's so dumb. It's the lazy narrative that continues. And and, and Stephen A. Smith is basically saying that players on the Celtics think that us here in Boston, us fans, want our superstar on the Celtics to be white. We would prefer him to be white. And because of that, the Celtics see that, the Celtics sense that, and the Celtics signed Gordon Hayward to a max contract, and not just that, but coming off a major injury, they began the season putting him right into the starting lineup. Because he's white, and the fans want a white star. And the Celtics have to give, give that to us. Oh, would you shut up? 
So Stephen A. Smith is not just saying that he's heard that the players feel that way, but Stephen A. Smith is is doubling down on it. He's like, oh yeah, the players feel that way, and they're right to feel that way because it's true. The people in Boston, Massachusetts, they'll take any star that they can get because their priority is winning. But everybody and their mother knows that they would prefer their star to be white. That's what Stephen A. Smith said. And I didn't know, I would have never even known he said this if I didn't see a story on NBCSports.com that was written by a reporter whose name is Dan Feldman. I don't know who Dan Feldman is. I've never heard of him. I've never seen his Twitter. He's got less Twitter followers than me. I, you know, and I, <laughs> having as many Twitter followers as me is not saying a lot. He's got less than me. So kind of, this kind of seemed like, you know, the reason I bring that up is because, you know, the day and age that we live in with media, and especially sports media, and especially controversial sports media, is that the more controversial it is, the more clicks it gets, the more retweets it gets, and the person who comes up with that story, the more popular they are. Whether it's true or not, facts, you can throw them out the window in 2019. You throw them out the window. During the Major League Baseball postseason, I gave you, and yeah, I'm pumping my own tires right now, but I don't give a shit because nobody else is going to do it. So I'll do it for myself. And I kind of went on this rant Monday with regards to my little beef with Major League Baseball, which, by the way, might no longer be a beef because they do listen to the show. And I'll explain to close it out after this rant on the Stephen A. Smith stuff. But... I gave you one of the biggest stories, one of the biggest reports in Major League Baseball in a long time on how the Houston Astros were caught spying on the Red Sox in the ALCS. They literally, the Astros had an employee down in the camera well next to the dugout videotaping the Red Sox signals and texting them to the Astros during the game. The man was ejected because the Red Sox were tipped off by the Cleveland Indians because the Indians lost to the Astros in the first round, and the Indians were suspicious about this dude, so they told the Red Sox, keep an eye on this guy. Red Sox did. They saw him at Fenway. They they busted him. They kicked him out. I found out about it. I reported it. I was the only one to report it. I nailed it. I got it right. But if you look at this day and age in media in 2019... I would have been better off getting that story wrong because it would have been, I would have got more tweets. I would have got more followers. I would have got more clicks. I should have got it wrong. You get something like that, right? Next thing you know, it's like, yeah, it's right. Everyone's like, oh, wow. Yeah. How crazy can we get? How crazy can we get with a story? That's true. We can't really go much further. Can we (laughs) like how much more debate is there? If something's correct, can you debate it? You can't. You can't. So I was better off getting it wrong. Dan Feldman, NBC Sports, uh, whoever else wrote about this, maybe other, you know, in fairness to Dan Feldman, maybe other people wrote about this stuff as well. I didn't see it. But I feel like I have a, a pretty good eye on this when I'm following stories like this. And I just see everybody copying this story, retweeting this one specific story. And it's the only one I see. Dan Feldman, NBC Sports, they tweet out. Here's what the tweet said on their story. 
earlier this week. The tweet said, Report with Gordon Haywood, Celtics players are sensitive to Boston fans preferring a white star. And then there's a link to the story. So I click on the link. Feldman begins by, he's got his byline by Dan Feldman. Uh, He begins by telling the story of the Celtics season thus far, and then he gets to Stephen A. Smith quote. He kind of just throws it in there. like He kind of buries the lead a little bit too, right? He just throws it in there. But that's how you get more ad, there's more ad revenue on a website and a page view based on how long a person spends on that specific site. So you kind of, you got to tease it now, right? You, You want people to spend at least 30 seconds on it. So that they don't get to the meat of the story and the lead until the middle of the story. It, it, it's ass backwards, but that's the way it works in 2019. So we get to the quote from Stephen A. Smith, again, which is, and the link is like not even a link to another story. It's a link to ESPN Radio or ESPN's podcast portal. And I, it, maybe it's the, it's like the show. I, I, so I couldn't, I didn't even listen to it. I don't. I don't have the time or the energy to go listen to Stephen A. Smith spew nonsense about Boston sports fans being racist and (laughs) using the Gordon Haywood example. Like, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So I read the quote. And again, the quote, I read it to you. Stephen A. Smith says, and then there's the element of Boston, Massachusetts. They don't just want a star. They'll take a star because winning's their priority. But they prefer their star to be white. And in Gordon Haywood's, in Gordon Haywood's presence, Celtics players on the court with Tim, you know, they see this, they sense this. So Stephen A. Smith is telling us that Celtics players feel a certain way about how Boston sports fans, I guess, put, portray white athletes as opposed to black athletes. And then Stephen A. Smith is doubling down on that, saying not only the Celtics players feel that way, but he's saying, I feel that way too. Stephen A. Smith is saying, not only a Celtics player saying it, they're right, it's true. And look, I'm here to tell you today that it's not true. And I hope there are Celtics players maybe listening to this. Find a way to listen to this segment. Because it's not true. At all. And I tweeted out in response to all this that I will drive Gordon Haywood to Logan Airport right now. I'll drive him to Logan Airport right now. And I'm not saying that because, like, like I didn't, I didn't tweet that, and I'm not saying that because I'm here to say, you know, see, we're not racist. I'd drive Haywood to, to, go, to, to Logan Airport right now. See, uh, look at me. I'm not racist. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not using it to, I'm using it to say to you, like, if a guy that I'm willing to drive to Logan Airport on the Celtics, if there's a guy that I'm willing to do that, willing to just get rid of, like I could basically care less about him, whether it's, you know, whatever his contract might be, I'm not making that decision based on the color of the guy's skin. Like, I'm not, I'm not even thinking of that. It's a non-factor. Kyrie Irving, as much as he's pissed me off all year long with the way he has, has has talked to the media and complained about the media coverage uh, and complained about people questioning his future. As much as he's pissed me off with that, 
I want the Celtics to sign Kyrie Irving more than anything that I've wanted with the Boston sports team in a long time. And I think there's a lot of people, most people in this town feel that way. You know why? Because we know how good he is. (laughs) We know that Kyrie Irving is an elite superstar. But I got news for Stephen A. Smith, and I got news for the Celtics players that, that apparently feel this way about us, the Boston sports fan. We don't watch Kyrie Irving and say to ourselves, wow, I wish he was white. Yeah, ain't he great, but I wish he was white. You think we say that? Stephen A. Smith, do you think we say that or even feel that or even think that? If you do, you're an idiot. If you do, you're an idiot. And I'm talking about the majority of people in this town. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm sure, look, I'm sure that there are some people that might feel the way Stephen A. Smith is explaining in this story. But I'm also sure that if you put this story in any other city and said it, every other city that has a professional sports team, you'd be able to say the same thing. I'm sure there are a couple people in every city, every single city that feel that way that might look at some things in a racist way. In every city. In every city. But the narrative is that it only happens in Boston. And the narrative is is that, well, it's a majority of people in Boston. And it couldn't be further from the truth. It couldn't be further from the truth. And this specific example is like, if anything, like the example should be, Everybody here in Boston is getting so mad at Kyrie Irving because all we want is for him to stay. Like, like, like the, the reason people are upset with Kyrie is because of the rumor that he he's genuinely interested in going to L.A. to play with LeBron again. The rumor that he might be leaving the Celtics to sign with the Knicks after he told us all at the beginning of the season that he was going to stick around. People are pissed that Kyrie has handled things a certain way, but ultimately because all we really want is for him to sign on the dotted line and stick around and be the superstar that this team so desperately needs. And we don't sit there and talk about him and look at that and go, yeah, you know what? We want Kyrie to stay because he's a superstar, but man, we would prefer if Kyrie was white. You think we say that or think that? It's insane. Come on. And I'm not running from the history of racism in this city. I'm not. I'm not. But but let's be honest here. The Boston sports fan, we are damned if we do and damned if we don't with this conversation. Because here's, you know, I bring up Dan Feldman really because of this one thing that he tweeted exactly 15 minutes after he posted this ridiculous story on NBCSports.com that was basically meant to drive clicks and get him more Twitter followers, here's what he tweeted, 15 minutes, because people were probably bombarding him with tweets, saying you're a loser. You sound like, you know, you're writing this story. Why? Why are you writing this? Are you writing it because it's a fact? Like, why why is this a story? So he probably got bombarded. But he tweets, Dan Feldman tweets 15 minutes later. Here's what he tweets. Quote, people in Boston really hate racism. Wait, sorry. I misread my notes. People in Boston really hate the discussion of racism. End quote. So 
the Boston sports fan, Aaron Boston, we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. If we don't say anything about this story that's written out of nowhere, if we don't say anything about what Stephen A. Smith accused Boston sports fans of being, which is racist, in, a, in an example that's so ridiculously stupid and, and false, if we don't say anything about this and argue this, we basically allow Stephen A. Smith and his words to become gospel about the Boston sports fan. We basically say, yeah, you know what, he's right. If we don't argue it, we're basically saying he's right. And he's not right. It's not true. He's wrong. He's dead wrong. He sounds like an idiot. But if we do argue it, you have people like Dan Feldman who brought it to the world's attention, who wrote this nonsense story, who responds by saying, wow, people in Boston are mad about this. They really hate the discussion of racism, don't they? (laughs) So we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. But I got news for Dan Feldman and even Stephen A. Smith. No, we don't hate the discussion of racism. That's not true either. Again, nobody's running from the past and the history of racism in Boston. Nobody's running from that. But if we are all trying to make some type of of progress on this issue, and I, I think we should be, then what we here in Boston really hate is the discussion of racism where it truly doesn't exist. Like this one. Like this one. That's what we hate. You want to do a story? You want to write about facts? You you wouldn't be tweeting out after you write this bullshit story about what Stephen A. Smith had to say, which is false. You want to write about facts? You wouldn't be tweeting out afterwards that, wow, not only is the story I wrote not true, but the people in Boston really hate this discussion, don't they? In general, nobody's saying that. But in specific situations, we hate the discussion of racism where it truly doesn't exist, and it does not exist with regards to Gordon Haywood, the Celtics. It's insane. If you said Gordon Haywood, Kyrie Irving, Celtics fans, do a poll. You can only have one of these two guys. Do you know... That it would, pro- uh, do you know that it would probably be a hundred percent Kyrie Irving? Like I, I was thinking about saying ninety nine percent because there might be a small percentage of losers and morons that are so sick in the head that they would take Gordon Haywood over Kyrie Irving. But I don't even, I don't even want to say that. I would say a hundred percent of people would take Kyrie Irving. Over Gordon Haywood. And and because of because of nothing else other than he's a better basketball player than Gordon Haywood. Like can it can it not just be that simple anymore? Can we can we not just talk about can we not talk about facts anymore? And if we argue it, it's not because we hate the discussion. It's because we hate the discussion in cases in which it racism doesn't exist. <laughs> like it, and it doesn't exist with the Celtics right now, man. And 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 if we are like we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. If we don't argue it, we basically say, "Oh, Stephen A. Smith, yeah, maybe there's some truth to that." But there's no truth to it. And if we do argue it, you got people like Dan Feldman going, "Oh, they hate they hate talking about this, don't they?" Shut up! You sound like a pompous asshole by saying that. 
right? And, and, and the whole reason you wrote this and put this out there and you're pumping it out on NBCSports.com is because I know what you guys are all about at NBC. You're about ratings, you're about clicks, right? <laughs> you could say, Danny, well, that's why you're not with them anymore. Well, maybe you're right. Hey, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe that, that would be his argument. Um, But I would also say there's people at that company who don't know what the fuck they're doing. Right? It, it's it's so, it's all NBC people. Uh, you, oh, I know him. I know him. I know the other guy. Oh, we're friends. Oh, we'll put our friend in position to succeed. That's all it is. That's all it is. They bring people in from all other cities to, to run, you know, even the local branches, the one that I worked with. And it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. But that's what they wanted. And I'm just here to I'm just here to give you some facts. I'm I'm here to let you know how we really feel about the whole situation. Stephen A. NBC and also he's I know Stephen A's with ESPN, but NBC Sports is if they didn't write the story, was anyone else gonna? And I, okay, in fairness to NBC, maybe someone else did. But I tell you what, most of the retweets and everything I saw and people spreading this, this was the kid Fellman pulling a pulling a garbage quote, and then after he pulled the garbage quote. He tweets something even more idiotic about people in Boston. So, I just felt the need to go on a little rant there because um, I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's crazy for a Boston sports fan to be really upset with what Stephen A. Smith said. Because what Stephen A. Smith said is absolutely not true at all. Not even close. And maybe one day he'll realize that. But it doesn't sound like that day is going to be today. So, uh, I said my piece on it, and we shall move on. I'll close out the show here with some thoughts. I mentioned Major League Baseball and how I had a little beef going with them. And I talked about it on Monday. And, and, you know, I'm going to connect everything with Major League Baseball, so bear with me, but... I have this video game show on YouTube, Pick Up Your Sticks. And we're, you know, these EA Sports, all these companies, they send me games and I play against the guest. And there hasn't been a new game that's come out, a new sports game that's come out in a little bit, right? We've done, I've done them all. Uh, we've done episodes with Madden 19, NHL 19, FIFA 19, um, NBA Live 19. RBI Baseball which is not an EA Sports game, by the way. It's actually a Major League Baseball game, as weird as that is. Um, RBI Baseball 19 came out, and I've, I was in touch with the developers at RBI Baseball, and they were all in on sending me a, a copy of the game for me for an episode of Pick Up Your Sticks, Sticks on YouTube and, and even some giveaways. I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, they were going to give me the game before it came out. We were going to do promotion. Like... It wasn't going to hurt them at all. And then I was told I would not be receiving copies of the game. And then I was told by somebody else, the reason as I did more digging as to why, like why wouldn't you send me copies of the game? It seems a little ridiculous after we kind of already agreed on it. Like what changed? You You don't have enough copies to give? Like what changed exactly? Come to find out, they, Major League Baseball, by the way, Major League Baseball Public Relations was handling this stuff for the game because the developer of the game, they handed all the conversations that we had to Public Relations, Major League Baseball, 
Come to find out, Major League Baseball was upset that I was the one that wrote the story on Spygate in the ALCS, basically letting the cat out of the bag that the Astros got caught spying on the Red Sox. They, Major League Baseball did not like that story getting out because they that's not a good look for them. Another spy story. Right? We've, we've seen a couple of those. And they're trying to just sweep it all under the rug. And they didn't like that that story got out. I was the one that reported that story. Well, they weren't going to send me the game anymore. They found out I was the one who wanted them. I went on a rant on Monday's podcast. I even tweeted some things. And after that podcast, oh, the, the timing and the coincidence of the timing of all of it. Crazy coincidence, right? No, no coincidence. They heard what I said. They sent me an email with download codes for RBI Baseball 19. Ah, so they do, they have listened. My, my words do hold some power. I do have a voice. Some people saying I don't, I do. And we have the game. So I'll be doing some giveaways on that, but I just think it's funny that I went on that rant. All of a sudden, they're like, ah, makes us look bad. All right, how can we make this look better? Oh, let's send them a couple of games. Now you're going to send me the game. And thank you for the game, Major League Baseball. I'm not trying to be a prick. I'm, I just think it's a little petty that the reason you wouldn't send me the game in the first place was that I was the one that broke that story on Spygate. Come on. Come on. Well, one other thing I said on Monday's show with regards to Major League Baseball was that I think they should probably drug test Commissioner Rob Manfred for DMT, which is the drug that, you know, people take to to, to try to get the technological advancements by by diving into the fifth dimension. Like, <laughs> have you heard of the drug? Google it. Google it. You'll find some funny stories on it. What, what people think other people use the drug for to create this new world order and this one world government and to get all the technological secrets from the, from the alien elves. DMT. Google it. You'll get some entertainment out of it. I, I jokingly said that Commissioner Rob Manfred might have been taking this stuff because some of his proposals that Major League Baseball is going to test out in the 2019 Atlantic League are just so ridiculous, it's not even funny. Robot umpires making the bases larger, like giving us bigger bases, first, second, third, moving home plate, and moving the pitcher's mound, like the distance of it, only in the second half of the season. Like ridiculous stuff, man. That one could only blame those ideas on severe drug use, <laughs> I would think. So stupid. But anyways, I playfully said that Commissioner Rob Manfred should maybe be drug tested for DMT. Well, there are some rule changes in Major League Baseball since the last time I talked to you. And I'm not trying to take credit for these, by the way. I'll take credit for getting RBI baseball sent to me, but I'm not going to take credit for this stuff. They are going to go through with some rule changes in Major League Baseball. It's not going to be robot umpires. They're not going to increase the size of uh, the bases. They're not going to move home plate or the pitcher's mound. But here's what they are going to do. Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association has agreed to a couple new rule changes. One, there will be a single trade deadline, which will just be July 31st. 
So there will be no more trades in August. You know, previously you had seen the non-waiver trade deadline on July 31st, but then there was a whole nother month, the whole month of August, you could still make trades because the waiver deadline was September 1st, I think usually. And if a guy cleared waivers, then you could make a trade for that guy. Or if, um, you know, you claim the guy on waivers, the team could pull the guy back and you could talk trade with that team that claimed him. Like, you can't do that anymore. If you're going to make a trade, you got to make it by July 31st. And I like this. I think that's a good move. I think that makes sense. I think the waiver trade deadline, the month of August, I think was confusing to some people because it's like, wait a minute. There was a trade on August 15th? But I thought that, I thought we just did a big thing about the trade deadline being on July 31st, two and a half weeks ago. What's going on here? So, it eliminates some confusion to the average fan, but it also just makes sense to the everyday fan and to the everyday Major League Baseball organization. July 31st, one single trade deadline. That's one rule change. The other rule change, and I don't know if you want to call it a rule change is that they will change the way they do. And I'm. this is a little weird. I, I don't know that I have... I don't know that we have all the details on this, but we have the gist of it. All-Star Game Election Day. They will have an All-Star Game Election Day where fans will vote online for their All-Star starters. And then the top three vote-getters will take part in a one-day election. Does that mean draft? What does that mean? A one-day election. Why don't they just call it an all-star draft? And why did three? Wouldn't they do two if it was going to be a draft? One guy drafting one team, the other guy drafting another? I'm a little confused with that. Maybe there's more details coming out. But that's not the part of the all-star weekend I want to talk about. The part of the all-star weekend rule changes, if you want to call it that, is what I want to talk about is they're looking to... They're looking to do with maybe what the NBA might... The NBA, get this. I think the NBA might actually follow suit here with what Major League Baseball is doing with their home run derby. And the NBA might see this and go, wow, let's do this for a dunk contest. And what does the winner of the dunk contest get? What do they get? I, I, uh, Do they get a, just a trophy? Do they get, oh, they get a car, right? <laughs> is it a Kia? They get a Kia car or something? A Kia car. Yeah, they are. Yeah, every <laughs> they all want that. <laughs> um, here's what Major League Baseball is doing. They are going to try to attract big names, some of the biggest stars to the Home Run Derby, by offering the winner of the Home Run Derby $1 million. I believe they're going to give out $2.5 million in total prizes. So maybe second place gets, I don't know, five hundred k. you know, Maybe they have a round to see who gets third place. I don't know, but the first place winner in the home run derby will get $1 million. $1 million bucks. Now, is, you know, Bryce Hopper just signs a $330 million deal. Is he going to look at the extra $1 million and say, I got to get in that? Probably not. And Bryce Hopper just did the home run derby. But I, I, it's a step in the right direction. Like, I, I don't think this isn't a problem. This is a good move. I like the home run derby, but I'm not going to lie. Sometimes you go to, you go into it, you're like, eh, I wish, I wish we could get some bigger stars in it. You especially say that about the NBA dunk contest, and maybe the NBA, I don't know, maybe they, 
can figure out something based on this. But I like the one million to the home run derby winner. It's not a game changer for baseball, but it's an extra little extra something. And then something else they're gonna do. This is for 2020. This is not 2019. But in 2020, they will go through with the three batter minimum for pitches, which means that a pitcher who comes into the game, you have to face at least three batters or finish an inning. That's one. That will go into effect in 2020. I don't necessarily like it, but I like it better than touching the height of the mound or the distance from the mound and home plate or the size of the bases or robot umpires or clocks in the game, pitch clocks. If you need to do something, one of these things, this is the one, I guess. And so it looks like the Players Union agreed to this. Also, regular season rosters will be expanded from 25 to 26 players. Um, those two things are for 2020. Now, the reason this stuff is going on, all the reason all of this is being agreed to, it's under the idea that both sides, Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball Players Association, will begin discussing labor issues for the upcoming CBA renewal immediately. And the current CBA expires in December of 2021. But the agreement here is that, all right, let's agree to these couple changes in 2019 and 2020. And we'll do this if we can get kick, we can kickstart the conversation and the discussions and the negotiation for the new CBA. We do not want to lock out. We do not want to strike. We do not want to even go up to the wire and do, we do not want to be up against the clock on that. Let's not even get to 2021. Let's get this done in 2020. And, um, you know, so I guess this is a positive for the game. Anytime you could talk about no lockout, no strike, or no thought of either of those two things, it's a positive for the game. So um, we'll hold off on all the crazy ideas that maybe Rob Manfred previously had, and we'll go with these ones, which I can certainly live with. But um, again, going back to the beginning of this baseball rant, there's no question, Major League Baseball, somebody's paying attention. Somebody's paying attention to the Danny Picard Show. You should be paying attention as well. Subscribe to the show at Podcast One, also on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available. Get me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. What else? Oh, YouTube. YouTube.com slash Danny Picard. And don't forget to check out my other podcast, which is a new podcast, a wrestling podcast, with Matt Taven from Ring of Honor Wrestling, we give you a weekly podcast. We get wrestling guests on the show. Uh, We've done two episodes so far. We just released another episode yesterday. So make sure after you listen to this, go listen to that. You can go listen to that before you listen to this. Either way, listen to both. That'll be my ultimate message for you. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe on this St. Patrick's Day weekend. I will talk to you on Monday. See you.